Welcome to Outside the 9 to 5. I don't know what that just was, but this is Kevin Hartnett. And I'm Colton Richards. And you're listening to the Outside the 9 to 5 podcast. A show where we discuss the challenges we face on a day-to-day basis with our careers, relationships, and fitness and nutrition. We'd like to keep it light as we discuss some of the life battles we, and I'm sure some of you, deal with on a daily basis. So sit down, strap in, and enjoy the ride. Episode 3-7. We out here. Snow's coming down. Coming down hard right now. Had a nice little snow run this morning. (laughs) Ton of fun. Ton of fun. Ran the snow last weekend. Ran the snow this weekend. It it jacks my heart rate up like 10 more beats a minute. It's interesting. Even though you're colder? Like I thought that's supposed to help you. Well, when the snow's deep enough that it's like my foot sliding when I Uh, kick off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. But, you know, you did it, dude. You stronger. You did it. Yeah, Alex went out there with me. She's training for a half. Crushed it too. Love that. She did about six. I did seven. No big deal. Who yeah. runs faster? Me, dude. Okay, all right. I'm like almost six foot. It's not sour about that, but, uh, she's like five, four. Yeah. Yeah. I think so I should, I think I should be running faster. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's up with you, dude? What's, What's going up on? With me, man. Uh, How was your week? My week was good. Getting back on the, getting back on the horse in terms of just like not being traveling. It's nice, man. I really value Saturdays like being by myself again because I had two weekends of not doing that. Yeah, decompress. Decompress. Yeah. I hear you read books go down youtube wormholes like it sounds weird but that's kind of yeah what was the weirdest video you watched yesterday those youtube wormholes will get you man uh what was the weirdest one well coming back from a skiing trip i was watching a bunch of red bull ski skiers so that was sick yeah you thinking about going pro definitely not going pro but i I, we talked about it when i got back i think that's definitely going to be something i take on as a more serious hobby down the line yeah yeah, I, I think that's a cool – I mean, that's definitely one of the things that I see as an ideal hobby to pick up. Yeah. It would be like if I could learn how to do two things really well, I think it would be – it'd have to be surfing and then skiing and snowboarding. Well, the thing for skiing – I you- haven't done either. I've, I've done both of them, but uh, I'm not really good at surfing. And but, I haven't skied in a while. But when we talk about skiing, right, like we talk about my trip, it's like – there's such an experience around that activity, you know, like you're going to cool places to do this activity. So that's why for me, it's like, it seems like something I want to get into, right? Rather you go to Banff in Canada or you go up North in Vermont to like Killington or whatever, right? Like, it's just like, you're going to cool different places to do this activity. Yeah. It's also relaxing. I am for not the most on that part. team of skiing being a relaxing really? activity. I mean, at least for me, dude, I'm not good. So I, I'm pretty – I got to be pretty in the moment there when you're going down a hill like to not make sure I get yard sailed into some trees. Yeah. I mean with the with the level of skiing that you were doing, maybe it's not as relaxing. But but yeah, I feel like it's – one. It, like we said the other week, it's one of those things that you have to – your full attention has to be there for the most part. Yeah. So it can't – it's one of those rare moments where you really have singular focus. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind of an expensive hobby, but the reality is 
I think it's like an exciting one. I think it's interesting. It's unique. So I don't even know how we got here, but it was nice to decompress post, you know, that trip out West, do some reading, continue to think about Ironman training 12 hours a day, not actually training 12 (laughs) hours a day, but tell me your thoughts aren't consumed by it. Like, dude, even when I'm doing random tasks, I'm like, oh damn, I got two hours of training. Uh, not as much recently. That's good. Uh, but yeah, on the week on the weekends, that's when it really gets me. Yeah. Because this upcoming weekend, we're gonna have what like a three hour long bike ride and then the two hour long run probably. Yeah. Uh, and so there's some serious planning that goes into that. I mean, if we if you start the bike at nine a.m., you're gonna finish at what one? Yeah. 12. So. 12. Or 12. Three is 12. Oh my gosh. Good work. Wow. Killing it. I got to I got to get some water in. Yeah, to hydrate after. Hydrated. But yeah. So you you finish at 12. That's your whole morning. It's consumed by it. Yeah. And the bike isn't too bad on on the joints and everything, but a 2-hour long run, that's going to that's you we're going to be over half marathon at that point. So Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even for me like Again, for me, it's not even like the physical component really as much anymore as it is just like it's starting to take over my mental. And I just – what did I just say I was doing for the next three months? Iron Man, job, podcast. Right. But what did I say specific – like my mindset now for the next three months versus – so we've been training for about two and a half, three months now. And I feel like we – are the training volume was at a point where it wasn't all consuming in terms of like thoughts and what I had going on. But now, you know, for me, I said I'm going to war for the next three months. So in terms of what I'm doing, I would classify the next three months as I'm going to go pretty – I'm going to be pretty laser focused for these next three months on this Ironman in a capacity I wasn't for the last three. Yeah, yeah. When people look at the Ironman training – I mean if you look at our training schedule, it's really not that overwhelming except for the weekends. The weekends are a little rough, but during the week, it's like – maybe three workouts yeah during the week and they're usually around an hour yeah which isn't i mean that's less than what we were doing previously it's just the weekends are what gets you it's a lot again uh, agreed 100 percent with the actual actions like again physically it's not super taxing but i'm talking about like the mentality aspect now that like you have this goal in three months and now it's starting to consume my thoughts which yeah. is where I want to get, candidly. Like, the yeah. first three months, like I said, we're just building, like, a, a base foundationally and physically. Not super consuming of my thoughts. But now that, like, we're on this back half, I, I've decided that, you know, not that I wasn't all in before, but now I'm, like, next level. Like, you're talking to me about what I'm doing. Oh, it's Ironman. Oh, you're talking to me about, like, what I'm doing after work. Probably going to be something related to the Ironman. Like, if it, even if it's not a workout, it's stretching. Like, I'm going to war with this shit for the next three months. Yeah, I probably should get on some more stretching. Yeah, rest recovery, dude. Got to gotta get on that recovery. My recovery game has been kind of semi-weak lately. So, uh, that's super important aspect when you're trying not to get injured, which is the – I feel like one of the biggest challenges here. Mm. So, yeah, next – Next couple months, man, we're dialing in. I would have to say I think I have a little bit of a different mindset on this. I'm just trying to take it one week at a time, like, in terms of my mentality. Like, when I start to think that far out, I don't know. I guess I'm just, like, trying not to think that far ahead. 
but I don't think it's necessarily a wrong thing for you to do that. I think it's well, just a different way of thinking about it. Here's how I'll equate it. Like, right, I had a weight loss goal six months ago. It was like, all right, every day we're trying to get to this weight or this physical condition. Same thing for me here. It's like, what do I do? got to do every day to reach that goal in three months? And the, and it consumes my thoughts. Again, I, I don't know if that's the right or wrong thing. I've never done an Ironman, but it feels like the right thing to, like, tell myself, yo, you got to put in fucking work for the next three months if you want to accomplish a sub-12 Ironman. So I think that's just my mindset on it. Because for me, if I if I don't think about that large-scale goal, maybe I, I could convince myself that, you know, like, hey, I could skip that workout or, hey, you know, I kind of feel like shit today. Maybe I should rest. So I don't know. I'm going to war with myself for the next three months. You can quote that. You can do whatever you want with it. But that's where Colton will be. Colton's going to war. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I should change my mindset a little bit because, frankly, this training has been easier than the – like, I feel like I was in a dark place last time, yeah. which was probably a good thing going leading into the race because when you do all your training alone – and then you go into the race, you get a little bit more energy. There's people around you. There's a crowd. Yeah. It's probably a little bit easier. I mean, I've been handicapped in a good way because I've had you to train with this whole time. But that helps get me through some of those hard times during a workout. Yeah. And, I mean, we're not going to be next to each other in tandem the whole no, race you're gonna for be, the Ironman. So. I'm going to be trying to catch you after that swim, bro. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty strong on the bike. So we'll I, see. I wouldn't uh, be too surprised if you didn't whip by me on the bike. Are but we holding hands crossing the finish line? Do we establish that? We're not holding hands crossing okay. the finish line, no. All right. No. Whoever uh, – I don't know. We should we should come up with something, whoever gets there first. And if anyone – Whoever wants, gets there first just has to lay by, just lay by the finish line until the Army other crawl over. Yeah. If anyone wants to attend, I don't know why anyone would, but April 24th, Houston, Memorial Ironman. Booking flights. You think anyone's going to come? Any supporters? Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Well, maybe <laughs> we'll fly out a couple lucky fans. Shoot us a DM. If you actually want to come, I'll consider purchase, purchasing you a flight. Of course. Of course you would. That'd be cool as fuck, dude. That's classic. That would be cool. Yeah. There's no coronavirus in Texas, too. so Yeah, if you want to come, feel free. We'll buy your ticket. All you have to do is... Join the race with us. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? No one's going to take you up on that. That's All right, a- maybe just the marathon. Just the marathon? Yeah. Down, down for that. Yeah, just the marathon. Jump in. Jump in. Hop in, broskies. All right, so what do we want to get into today, Kev? Do we want to give the 411 on what we're doing? I know we about releases, or do we just want to... Yeah, sure, sure. Let's, let's break do it down. That. So, in... Being cognizant of everybody's time during the week, we yeah. realize it's tough to consume two hours of our content um, just in finding time and space. So what we're going to do is break it down to one episode a week, one one release a week. We don't know the specific day. It's either going to be Mondays or Thursdays. Uh, it's TBD on which day that's going to be. This one will come out on Monday, but we might change up the cadence to, to Thursdays. Yeah. Uh, but just focusing on one a week from now on uh considering colton and i are both this isn't just a one piece this is one piece of our 
our equations. Yeah. And we're both experiencing heavy workloads and other things and the Ironman training. So, yeah, we feel like producing one solid hour of valuable content, if we can produce that, that's a win. Yeah. And also tilting, hopefully, over the next couple months towards adding more guests. And it's uh, tough just with the coronavirus. Yeah, with brain. restrictions and everything, trying to be cognizant of everyone's health and well-being. You know, we can't just bring in everybody and their mother into our house. So, yeah. But over the but next if they couple, want to bring their mom. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Bring but your mom. yeah, bring, if your mom would love to be on the podcast, go <laughs> and bring her in. Yeah, 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 it. yeah. If she's good at making baked goods or anything <laughs> like that, feel free to bring those too. We're always we're always looking for more food here. here we are. So. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's the four one one. Did I miss anything? No, I mean I, I think we just had a really nice conversation, dude, candidly off the podcast about, you know, our vision for this thing. And the reality is we both have burners that because I love this analogy that Greg Bresnan brought up in one episode. It's like you have different burners in your life, right? You have work, you have family, you have hobbies or the podcast that we're working on we have fitness and it seems like given that our workloads and our fitness right those burners are on super high it's tough to have all of those on super high at the same time right so my analogy is maybe we're turning down the burner a touch on the podcasting thing yeah not to make it sound negative because i don't think it is i just think we're focused on producing good content for one episode a week right now and we'll see how that kind of plays out because again, once the Iron Man's done, and you know, I just got a new job. Once that position kind of settles down a little bit, you pass the CFP chapter you're on. We'll have a little bit more flexibility in terms of maybe going out, getting on some other podcasts, doing some other things as far as YouTube is concerned, right? To view it th- through a different medium. So I think there's a lot of things that we're excited about with this podcast. But as with any journey, I, I would consider us, you know, really new in this, and so we're learning and trying to evolve and see what works best yeah and also in terms of guests if anyone has any recommendations of maybe people they know or people that they follow that you think would be valuable for us to talk mm. to then feel free to shoot them our way if you I have any suggestions that. so 100%. we're always open to obviously we have a list of people that we we have in the back of our mind but if anyone has any suggestions we're more than happy to welcome those down with that Let's get into it. All right, dude. You 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 did this one, so yeah. you, you tell me what we're doing. Well, I've been reading a lot ar- around uh, si- like systemat- uh, systematizing different aspects of your like w- life, whether it be work or you know, uh, outside of work, regardless. There are different ways to maximize efficiency. So, you know, one example that you brought up and you've brought up multiple times in the past is the one time you went to your mom's house and you had to mow the lawn and it took you like five hours, right? That's a great example. So paying someone to do that versus doing it yourself, you're going to save yourself five hours of time. So that's just obviously a very simple, simplistic example. But in reading the four-hour work week and thinking about how that relates also to the other books that I've read, like such as Ray Dalio's Principles, mm-hmm. Life Principles. There's a lot of overlap there. Mm-hmm. And it all revolves around trying to maximize your time and do things efficiently. Mm-hmm. So I've been taking a look at the things that I'm doing on a daily basis that maybe I'm not 
aren't maximizing my efficiencies mm-hmm. and are maybe a little inefficient. Yeah. So, for example, I was trying to study in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And from a mental capacity standpoint, by the time I get to the afternoon, it's I'm, I'm cooked. Yeah, yeah. And trying to study at that point, like I probably read – like I probably could read one chapter over the span of like three hours mm. just because I get distracted and it's hard. I, like I might not be absorbing the information. I might be reading a page and – then all of a sudden I finish reading a page and I'm like, well, what the, f- what the what, hell did what I, I just read? read? Yeah, yeah. And then I have to go back and read it again. So rotating that to make it a priority in my morning, I know when I get in, if I start studying from like 7 a.m. and go to 9, I could probably get through a whole lesson plan. Right. So just switching those two things can really maximize your time. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the most – Consistent inefficiencies in people's lives is email. Talk to me. And they talk about that. So so people, it's so easy. And I remember when I was an internal and I was working more on the existing relationship side, you have a lot of inbound work that comes Mm -hmm. in, which is a blessing because you you don't have to create work for yourself. But it's also a curse because you're just consistently getting bombarded by requests. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you finish the day and you've completed all this work, but how like how much progress has have you made on your goals or maybe your objectives from a sales standpoint? Yeah. So like what agendas did you move forward? Probably none. Mm. You've probably done – you've done the, a decent amount of work for your clients, which is good mm-hmm. and hopefully well. But over a long period of time if enough day of those days add up you're not necessarily progressing forward anywhere you're just staying like level yeah, yeah. well it might feel like you you are because you're doing work you're actually not moving the needle okay if that makes sense yeah yeah i get i get it so there was there was multiple times i, I don't think i did a very good job of this when i was was in my internal position when i should have just Touch on what an internal is, just so people know. Yeah, so internal account executive. So that can mean you can pretty much extrapolate that over any industry. It's just you are the you're kind of the support kind person. of the support person from a sales perspective. So mm-hmm. you have an external sales partner, which is responsible for the face to face, day to day sales as- aspect of the business. Whereas you're more of the you know, what do the clients need on a daily basis? Yeah. You, you're the one who actually keeps the, I guess you could say that you're the engine, yeah. the sales engine, and the ex, uh, the external is the person actually steering the car. Okay, yeah. Is a, is a way to I, think of it. That's a good analogy, really good analogy. I've never heard that, but I love it. So, yeah, I wish I had done a better job of that when I was in those positions because – so many times I, I felt like I was doing my job very well, but I could have been doing it better if I had just taken, you know, a point of the day, closed my email for an hour and just thought about, hey, like what what clients and what agendas can I move forward today by being proactive? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's – that's a big piece of the equation. So what can, what efficiencies could I have created there uh-huh. to be better yeah, yeah. in those positions? So it would have been with email, getting distracted with email, having maybe an hour or two of the day that your email is just closed. 
I love it. And n- realizing that you have clients that are going to need stuff during the day, maybe you're smarter about this. Like maybe you take a look at your day, you see like you monitor your day uh, for like the next five days mm-hmm. during the work week. You figure out before lunch how many emails you receive and then after lunch how mm-hmm. many emails you receive. Most likely in this type of position, you'll receive most of your emails in the first part of the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe you take the last two hours of the day and think about what what agenda items can I move forward right now by being mm-hmm. proactive. I love it. So, yeah, you know, that's that's what I'm talking about with in, in creating systemization mm-hmm. and systematizing things in an efficient manner. Mm-hmm. Ray Dalio always thought about like think of your job as a machine. Mm-hmm. Like, can you make the machine better by offloading things or uh, doing things in a way that allows that machine to produce more work without necessarily doing more. Yeah. Right. Being Cause you have efficient. a max capacity yeah, yeah. at the end of the day. Everyone's got the same 24. Yeah. You know, like how do you, how do you make that 24 more efficient or the output better? Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm all on board on that. So what have you been doing maybe in your current role or so you mentioned studying to me, that just sounds like, Again, I'm not arguing with. I'm just trying to like figure this out. But to me, it sounds more like you're just prioritizing the more important things in your day earlier. I, I still think that's a system. Like schedule. Would you consider scheduling some sort of system? Yeah, I would. I would say. I would say that's part of it. Okay. Uh, that's definitely part of the system. But yeah, I I guess when you look at sometimes uh, one of the biggest problems in maybe your job or the bottleneck in a lot of things is you okay you're trying to do everything yourself Mm. so i remember it's it's hard to say this in in my current position because i don't necessarily do it as much yeah and i'm i wouldn't say i'm like fully integrated into the day-to-day because i still have to study and do all these other things so I'm like getting 50% of the work that I would typically get. Yeah. But in thinking of my other positions, I try to do everything myself. Mm. This is a huge one. I know where you're going with it. Because I had a little bit, I I guess I had a little bit of a lack of trust in other people to get things done. Mm. And I didn't want things done inconsistently. So I picked things up that I shouldn't have picked up. And then that just led to my the my first point. You're just spread too thin, and you're doing everything on a daily basis. This is basis. interesting. So, a big part in creating efficiency and maximizing your time is figuring out what what can you outsource. <laughs> and this is this is hilarious because this is what we. That's what I off like in my first job and position at the company that you're currently at that's what the offering is right i it's sell to, i sell time so what revenue like what non-revenue generating activities are you consistently doing on a daily basis that aren't necessarily helping you makes get sales or produce like get people to bring more business to your current position mm-hmm. that you can outsource to somebody else or doing a better way mm. that can allow you to spend more time on those actual activities that are going to push sales agendas forward and help you be more successful in your position. Sales is a great example of systems, dude. 
it's a yeah. great way to look at it because you're right. Like if you're picking up all these activities that let's call them non-revenue generating, right? Because you feel like you're the best at them or you feel like something might get dropped. The reality is you can't spend time bringing money into the company. So it's a tough hurdle to get over because you want to make sure things get done correctly. But with that being said, you got to also make sure you're bringing in money to the, to the company. So it's like, how do you put those systems in place to make sure that you're getting the, you're getting the proper resources assigned to handle that task or said task? How do you make sure the proper systems are in place to make sure that gets done so that you can still do the things that you need to do to grow the business? Yeah. So let me push this back over to you. Like what, what do you think about? When you think of this topic, do you, I, I know you, when I brought this up, you said, you know, frankly, I don't think I'm very efficient. So I would say some of my systems at work are, are solidly efficient. I still need to get better at it, but candidly, I do exactly what you said in terms of emails. Um, for me personally speaking, I like to call in the morning. So typically for me, that's when my clients are just getting to the office and hopefully they don't have a ton of other things going on, right? So I want to connect with them there and then what can I get done, right? Because then I'm going to have inbound things or scheduled calls with other clients. And from a proactivity standpoint, I want to get that done early in the day. And then again, typically my clients are doing meetings and running their own business late morning, early afternoon. So that's when I'm going to be doing a lot of my more quote unquote reactive stuff, right? Because for me, when my clients are out there running their business, they're not going to be taking calls from a sales guy typically. So that's kind of the system I have in place as far as what you mentioned for me right now, the system I'm trying to build because now I'm like that external facing person is I'm trying to build the system to have that internal support person feel comfortable to take on work that candidly I know how to do but again I want him in that position so that he can learn and we can have the systems in place that I don't need to be there for him to do it initially I will right I'll help him through certain instances or certain things that I know how to handle but the reality of the situation is once this really because I've only been in this relationship for two two months a little bit more than that now the reality is I want that person to be able to and be confident enough to handle that without me. So there's that learning curve that we're going through right now where it's like, okay, here's how I would handle it. Take it and run with it. If you need me reach out. Right. So I'm not, I'm more of the side of letting that person fail versus being too ingrained because of the system thing we talk about. Right. I read, I read E-Myth. I understand that aspect. Like if your hands are in every pot, you're probably going to be, you know, kind of forgetting about something else. And for me, my primary job is to bring business into the company, right? So whatever gets me away from that, I I need to figure out ways and systems to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting because I remember speaking to you about this, this position and going into it, knowing that you were going to have somebody under you to do a lot of the support work. Mm -hmm. And you frankly had a different tone, I believe, as to how you were going to utilize that person. What did I say? I don't even remember. I believe you said you probably weren't going to utilize them a lot. Yeah. I remember this too because we didn't really know how everything was going to shake out if I was going to have this person or not. But now it seemed – it is in fact that this person is there for me. I didn't know how how much of his time and energy he was actually going to be able to afford to me. So until I knew for a fact that that was going to be the case that I had an assigned resource, I was just going to take everything on myself. Thank God 
you know, from a business standpoint, it made sense to give me this person because again, I wouldn't be able to, I don't even know what it is. I think like maybe through the first couple of months I made like almost 200 plus calls, which is pretty significant in terms of the conversations I need to have with these people. Um, but again, I wouldn't be able to have that sort of proactive touch if I didn't have this support person. And again, we're still learning through different circumstances and how I can help him be more efficient with what he even does. Right. So we're still working through that because it's such a new role. So we're still trying to quote unquote systematize it. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like what you're saying is what changed was that you realized you were going to have a designated support person. A hundred percent. So in, in knowing that this person isn't you, which initially is uncomfortable Mm. because you don't know how things are going to get done. Like, you know how you would do them, but Mm. you're not sure how they would do them. Yeah. How do you, kind of the how do you temper like temper that anxiety that you have around that candidly now a lot of a lot of the problem is like i don't like people have a problem outsourcing mm. things they know how to do well i've read a lot about this okay so, so i'm you educated yourself <laughs> i educated myself so i mean what was the book i read leaders eat last or leaders eat last by simon sinek okay that was probably the primary foundation of like my mindset for going into this role in terms of leading this person, right? It's only one person, but you know, I, I'm trying to lead him to the best capacity I can. Everything in the military space, there's this one fantastic chapter. It's about this general taking over the worst submarine that the Navy had, like in terms of just efficiency and how they operated. But he was basically used to just giving orders, right? You know, do this, do that, rather than speaking to like the larger mission, and, and because he had to have trust in his people, and again push back if I'm articulating this terribly, but basically he took over this sub that didn't operate efficiently. So he got in there and was basically telling people exactly what to do, you know, push this button, push that button. And the reality is when a circumstance came where they were running through a drill, super hectic, he didn't have the capacity to tell all these people like, you know, push this button, push that, like he just didn't have that. Right? right. So you need to have trust in your people, let them fail through training missions to be able to take those actions themselves, knowing what their large scale goal is, right? So that's what I'm trying to instill in, in this individual today is the reality of your job is X. And again, I'll help you with these along the way as I teach you, but the reality is I need you to be able to do this yourself. So I'm on the side of not having pushed for this analogy again, probably pretty poor, horribly articulated. But no, 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 I think it was good. I, I'm of the belief of I'll let him push the wrong button. You know, I'll let him push the wrong button a couple of times. Make sure it's not a nuclear missile. Yeah, it no. might be. A nu- it might be in, in our job, dude. No. In our job, that's very. Oh rarely my god! The case. We just blew up North Korea. We just, <laughs> oh man, a nuclear a nuclear <laughs> missile's coming our way. Um, no, but the reality is, I'm more of the fan of letting him push the wrong button, and, and that's the side I'm on right now. Of push the wrong button, and we'll talk through what maybe went wrong. Right? I'm more of him fail, and, and I'll teach you through it than I am of, oh, let me just handle this so it doesn't get done improperly. That's my that's my side. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's a, I think that's a great way to handle it because when you go back to your submarine analogy or uh, the story, the yeah. submarine story, that that chief or yeah. whatever the hell the name is of the head know, of the submarine. I don't know. Captain. Neither of General. us. General. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Captain. He was the bottleneck at that yeah, point, right? Exactly. So there, it comes a point where you're actually the problem. And if, I you, if you overtake everything. Exactly. So. And then going back to your systems thing, you're not focusing on your primary job, 
which for this guy would have been making sure the sub is safer, the people are operating efficiently. That's his goal, right? His goal is not to push the nuclear button. Like that is someone else's job. And for me, it's great that I got this role, bro, in terms of I'm only overseeing one person. My goal, yeah, I want to be a sales manager at some point. I don't know when that's going to be. I hope it's, you know, that's a part of my career path um, after I have success in this job. But it's nice to practice these like managerial or like system systematizing strategies in the job I'm in today, right, with one person versus 50. Okay, so t- walk me through a time or an example of when that person did something wrong and how you handled it. Like how do you how do you ensure that things are still being done and being done right and how do you handle them when they're not? So it's interesting because I don't think in sales I don't think in sales there's necessarily like a specific science to everything. I think there is yeah. some science to sales, but there is some art. So for me in certain situations and and I know it's tough to get like super granular with not everyone understanding our industry and what we do but just say for a high level like there's some ways you can answer clients questions that make sense um and it doesn't have to be like the same answer for everyone right there's some art to this whole sales thing so I would say for 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 let's say that's 50% of the situations he he encounters I I say dude give it your best swing bro do it do what works best here you know like I, who's to say I I'm the expert in, in terms of this situation yeah give it your best crack and then for the other 50 percent where maybe there is like a scientific way to do it i would say i would ask him i would say do you feel like you kind of accomplished the goal you were looking to accomplish in the most efficient way possible if the answer is no then i would say all right let's talk about doing it this way which i have seen has been a more efficient way to kind of approach the situation so if there's a scientific way to accomplish it, I'll give him that scientific way that I have learned because I'm a little bit more experienced. If there's not a scientific way, I'm gonna go give let him take a take a fucking crack, you know, like figure it out for yourself, learn yourself. Um, and if the outcome isn't what we want, then I'll teach him through it. Like that's the reality. If the outcome's what we want it to be, I'll let him do it his way. If the outcome's not what we want it to be, then I'll teach him, you know, maybe a better way to do it. Okay. I like it. How receptive. Like, how do you present that in a way that's because sometimes in cases like people can feel like they're being talked down to or maybe that there was a maybe there's a disagreement as to like what the right way is to do things. And in some cases, when you're actually delegating work Mm. to other people, it could almost in other people's position, it could feel almost like they're doing what you're supposed to do for for you does that make sense like you're, you're saying you're doing... hey you're offloading the dirty work essentially. yeah 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 well that's some portion of the that person's job to be honest with you like, okay that might be a direct conversation it's like yeah, i know you want to get to my level but in order to get to my level you do have to do some of the groundwork like you got to pay your dues like everyone like in any industry dude right. any job you got to pay your dues at some point yeah but the reality is what i would come back to is the the story and the positioning because that's what it is, right? You're trying to sell someone on this idea is that in order to make our territory or our, let's just use company, right? Yeah. You could say unit, unit, whatever, in order to make this the most successful unit we need, or we want possible for our company, dude, I, I, I need you to handle this so that again, I can focus on these larger scale things. Same thing with the captain. If he goes up to the dude to say, Hey, you know, I don't want to push this nuclear submarine button. Right. Well, the reality is I don't have the capacity to run the ship as successfully as possible for everyone at a larger scale 
if I'm focused on helping you push that button. And that's the same thing that goes with me and this other person. It's like, if I'm focusing on this stuff, I, we won't be as successful as a unit. And ultimately our company won't be as successful because I'm now in this circumstance. And then the final thing I'll, I, I would kind of always touch on when I'm educating or anything, it's like, you told me your goals were X, Y, and Z, man. I want to get you there. This is a portion of that process. Yeah. So I don't know if those are three tangible things, but I think the one is for our unit to be most successful. This is how it needs to be done, or this is probably the best way to get it done. And two, your goal is to get to the next level. That's a part of this process. Yeah, and that's a really important part of the process because explaining that to someone can actually mean the difference, right? 100%. Because – if there's a lack of transparency as to like why you're doing this, then that person has the ability to think whatever they want to think about why so the, why you are doing that, like offloading whatever inbound activity you got to them. Yeah, right. right? It's a great point. That's a huge point because I think that can be missed, especially when you're starting to delegate is do this, yeah. do that. And no one is receptive to that. No, Very few people, I should say. I wouldn't like to be given something like that, would you? No. You know, like you, you need to have the why behind the larger story of what that one action gets you towards. Okay. Can you provide me like a little example of that? So I, I get a call from this advisor, right? And maybe he's he or she's a lower level client. I say, call this person. What is that? Like, that's kind of frustrating. It's just like, you, I got all this work, man. Like, this kind of stinks. I don't want to call this person. So in the email, I might say, hey, man, do you think you could reach out to this person? Um, I have like three or four other meetings where I'm pushing larger agendas. I just don't have the time to get back to this person today or right now. So that's the why. The why yeah. is I, I'm working on some larger scale things that I, I need to focus on to move our territory and move our unit to a better place. Can you handle this for me? Yeah. So. That, yeah, that context is everything. Yeah. Right. And this is this brings me out to a great example of like, a lot of the conversations I have with my boss currently is like I'm tr still trying to learn how to handle a lot of these situations with planning and yeah. clients, and uh, it's a whole it's a whole another ball game. So a lot of the times, like I'll come to him with a question or like, "What would you do in this situation?" Yep, and he'll be like, well, "What do you think?" I do that all the time. Which is so sometimes like if you don't know if that person is genuinely trying to help you learn yeah then that can seem almost like they're not they're trying to not help you or you can think whatever you want in that situation that's a great point but there's he always just he always reinforces like hey i'm trying to teach you how to learn mm. in this situation uh, i mean you have to think for yourself eventually so you should start now yeah and great he, point. he won't say all of that but that's basically the gist of the message is like you can ask me what I'll do and I can tell you, but at the end of the day, like eventually you're going to have to make your own decision about what to do in this situation. I totally agree. So I'll say two things on that. The The first is he's already built that trust with you, yeah. right? Like that trust is pre-established. So when he asks you, what would you do in this situation? It's not from a circumstance of him not wanting to help you. He's already established that trust factor that, listen, every time, everything I do, Kev, is is to benefit you and ultimately benefit us in the company, right? Yeah. Very similar to what I just mentioned for him or for the person I'm working with. Second thing is, I think that goes back perfectly to the point where it's like, he's going to let you learn, right? Like, and maybe you do something off. 
he'll probably coach you through it. Yeah. But like the reality is, he wants you to think through that problem solving mechanism. Similarly, similar. Wow, similarly to what I said earlier, it's like if he if there's a circumstance that's not going to blow off a nuclear uh, a nuclear missile, I'll let him figure it out, dude. I'll, I'll say, what do you think works best? Go try it, right? And if you fail, come back to me and we'll coach you through it. But the reality is, I want you to figure this and learn and do that problem solving mechanism yourself very similar yeah because then eventually they're not gonna they're gonna feel you're, you're gonna have that trust built up yeah where they're not gonna have to reach out to you for that that thing at the end of the day huge dude. And while up front that's gonna create a little bit of an inefficiency because you're gonna have to teach this other person how to learn yeah at the end of the day you're gonna maximize your efficiency like five x down the road, long term, long term, mm-hmm. by having someone that can be independent of you and handle all that stuff. A hundred percent. So it, as long as you can build that trust and and do that in a way where that you can trust in that person, then you're gonna you're gonna create more success for yourself. And let's build let's build back to the systemizing thing. You're 100% right because in that scenario where you're handling everything, again, you become that bottleneck. Yeah. You can't again, you can't start taking on more work or, or doing other things that are going to push the agenda for the company or whatever this analogy is if you're that bottleneck, dude. You got to get out of that. And again, in the beginning of this, you know, in, in this beginning of this learning curve, and this is what I mentioned earlier in the podcast with building this system through the, like our sales processes is – there is some learning curve, right? There's a little bit of a bottleneck in the beginning with this educational piece, but that's, dude, that's with everything, man. Like you're going to have that educational learning curve until you guys can then soar down the line when they become independent and have learned all the things they needed to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I mean, going back to systematizing an email, Yeah. which is like, I feel like we, we got to touch back on this is okay. when you're looking at the inefficiencies in your in what are your whatever your day to day is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, I would figure out what those are. Yep. So that would be step one, number 1. Usually it's email for people. Yeah. One one thing that I found helpful is just, like checking my email at a specific time. Yep. Instead of just consistently going back to it. Great point. Figure out like the two times in the morning you can check your email and then the two times in the afternoon you can check your email. And then you have a great process for this is responding with the acknowledgement that you receive the email mm-hmm. from whatever client or yeah. whatever person that it is. And if it's not time sensitive, you figure it out yeah. when you can. Yeah, right? Yeah. And then if it is time sensitive, then obviously you have your you have your instructions. But And I think we could even talk systems, bro, like off of that with like life. For for me, that analogy or what you just mentioned about emails is something I do with Instagram or something I do with texts, right? Like yeah. people receive texts from me at weird ass times. And typically it's like in the morning or late at night. Like that's really the only time I'm answering text messages. Cause yeah, I do the same. I do the same thing with text messaging. Uh, like I've started to do the same yeah. thing It's like, I'll check it at like lunch and then I won't really check it again. And, and it's, I mean, again, I think as we unpack this, maybe there are more systems in my life than I thought. Um, but but again, I, I think scheduling is more just a word that resonates with me. I, I don't know why, but for, for me, it's like, all right, like I can't always be having my attention kind of spread out, right? I can't be focusing on texts and also calling clients and doing meetings. Like that's too much for me. I'm going to systematize answering messages or answering, answering 
Instagram things, right? For the beginning or the end of the day. Like that's just how I do it. But um, it's kind of crazy that it comes out of discussing work email because I do think about them very similarly, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a great way. It's pulling you away from what you're trying to do at the end of the day. Yeah. Like if you're not, if your goal isn't to be involved in this text message conversation, and you're doing it like to check your like you're doing it out of habit. Yeah. Like most of the time, I check my phone out of habit. Like mm. I just pull it out. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's bizarre. It's obviously it's a problem uh, with a lot of people that they have. I mean, you see it nowadays, like people waiting for stuff. Everyone has their phone in hand. Yeah. So instead of doing that, I mean, maybe I would challenge everyone to shut off your phone for an hour of the day and your email and focus on one task and just see, uh, just notice how much more efficient you are because it's crazy. That's it, a great point. If you can, I, I forget who said this, like, you should be hard to reach at at least like one to two hours of the day. Oh, I would say I'm hard to reach <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, well, not for your clients, right? Not for not not for my yeah. work. No. Yeah. Best best ability is availability is a quote I use very, very uh, religiously at my job. Yeah. Best ability is availability. Um, but the one thing I want to also say, and let me know if this is in the book at all, because again, I I haven't read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, but a phenomenal book by him for anyone kind of just getting into the personal development aspect is. Um, Tools of a Titan. I didn't read that one, but I know it's good. And then the other one is, oh my God, what's the book with? Oh, Tribe of Mentors. That's yeah. a phenomenal read. One of one of actually, that's actually the first book I read post high school. Right? Oh, really? Tri- yeah, Tribe of Mentors. I don't even know how I, I came across my desk. You find so many interesting people, and that's where I found Andy Frisella. Right in that book, Gary V was in that book. There's, I think it's like 150 names of like very successful people in various industries. It's chefs, it's marketing directors, it's business builders, and that's actually how I found like a lot of the people I follow to this day on Instagram. And like, that's I don't even know how we got there, but Tribe of Mentors this is a great book. Yeah, yeah, they, I I haven't read that one yet, but those two those two books, Tribe of Mentors and Tools of the Titans, are both I believe in a format that's more like a one page per it person, is. It is. which is ideal for somebody who you don't want to read a whole book about one personal development topic. You right, know, they're just the little snippets you can find and pull from different people, especially the ones that maybe you already follow. Right, in those books. So, oh, the, this is sorry, this is how I got on that tangent. When I was talking about four hour work week, I don't yeah. know if this is a part of it, but for me. A big reason for quote unquote systems, right? If we talk systems, it's like getting up early or reading in the morning and working out. It's like when you start to establish these systems over time, it makes the guesswork a lot easier. And when I say guesswork, it it like your body just gets into that flow state where you're not having to like say, okay, like what am I going to do today? What are the like what are the next steps? It's like for me when I get into the office, it's like all right, I'm going to check how my territory did and then I'm going to make 10 outbound calls, whatever it is, right? Because I said I, I schedule those calls at eight like, and then I have meetings and then I'm going to be reactive. Like I have that system in place so it takes a lot of the guesswork out. And just unpacking the systems thing a little bit more, when things start to – when the outcomes aren't what you want them to be, take a look back at those systems, right? And this is what uh, Dalio talks about all the time in life principles or whatever. Yeah, It's like – how do you refine that system or what kinks are in that system? It's like, okay, when I start gaining weight, did I stop working out? 
like what what were the inputs to that system that affected the output so those are the two things i would also touch on in terms of systems is a it it, it frees you up the capacity to do other things right when we put a system in place about working out when we put a system in place for reading when we put a system in place for all these things right doing the podcast it frees us up to do other things and secondly if that output of whatever you're working on in the system isn't what you want it to be you then have defined variables in terms of what you can change to affect that output does that make sense yeah it makes complete makes perfect sense in one example that i'm just thinking of right off the top of my head is for all of our 401k clients we have to input their updated market values at the end of each quarter into our software yep. to produce a report to provide to our 401k clients yep. that's around the investment fiduciary responsibility that yep. we have to them uh, to evaluate those investments on a quarterly basis and right. make sure they're the right ones so initially i was receiving all these reports and pdfs and i would have to input the numbers manually and it was tedious. It probably took me two to three hours to yep. complete all these reports and send them out. And I figured out you know, uh, I could actually upload an Excel sheet uh-huh. into there as long as it was in a certain format. So if I could get the Excel sheets from these companies on the current market values, that I would just be able to upload those sheets yeah. and produce the reports. And now I can do it all in 30 minutes. Yeah. Right? So like three hours to 30 minutes. Right. Like that's a perfect example of – Okay, well, how can I make this more efficient? Oh, let's just switch up a few things. Maybe see if this person can send this thing in a different format. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're spending two and a half hours less on a certain great project. Point. How do you refine it? Yeah. That's a great point. Um, do you have anything else in terms of like, I don't know. I, I candidly, like what else is said in the the four-hour work week? I think it's a great philosophy. I don't. I don't want people to miss the point and correct me if I'm wrong here, given that I haven't read it, but this is what I've heard. He's not saying, you know, don't work hard. That's not his point of the book at all. No, like, no, no. It's because not. some people will say that, oh, I'm not reading this book because I want to work hard, right? The reality is work smarter, not harder. Yeah. his whole The whole idea behind it is more or less creating, creating a business. The, the point of the book is to create a business – that you can almost outsource everything to allow yourself to do whatever you want during the week except yeah. for those four hours that you have to check on that business. Mm-hmm. That's so streamlined that you only have to check on it for four hours out of the week. Right. So that's the point. But there to build that business, obviously there's a lot of upfront work and he says that in the book, you know. First you're gonna start you're gonna have to do everything here. Yep. Which uh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Like you're going to be working a lot. Yeah, yeah. But the point is once you build that base and you max your capacity out, that's when you start to find the uh, – look for efficiencies mm. and pull yourself out of the equation. Very similar to the E-Myth. Yeah. Very similar thought process to the E-Myth. Yeah, it's a very similar – it's very similar because there's a, there's a three different personalities in the E-Myth and the technician is one, the person that wants to do everything. Yep. And – that person gets in the way of the entrepreneur who yeah. is supposed to look for vision. Mm. But you need both to execute a successful business. So you got to find times for both. Yeah. And dude, to your point, like I consider myself running a business, right? Like I, I manage a book of business for, for my company. And it's like in order to make this book of business as successful as possible, if I do everything, it will not be the most successful. Right. Like, yeah. because I will be the bottleneck. 
So yeah. it's like taking yourself higher level and being like, okay, what can I outsource? What what certain things can I get off my plate so I can continue to elevate this business? Mm-hmm. Very similar thought process. That's interesting. Yeah. E-Myth is a phenomenal book. Oh, yeah, really good. I'm almost done it, but cranking. Did I give you that? Uh, I stole it from your room. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when you were gone. Let me know if there's any interesting thoughts in there, because I, I, we, we looked at that one journal entry the other day, bro. That was oh, so yeah. funny. I have, yeah. I have no idea when I give I people like, books. You put this on a poster, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I say when I, when I'm journaling in books. But Emith was so for, I guess other people. I thought Emith was about like, I thought that was about, like the internet myth. I, I for no idea why. I didn't realize oh, it was yeah, entrepreneurial. No, I the same myth. thing. I thought the same thing. I was like, e-myth, like maybe e-commerce. That's a, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I think that what I connected it to, but it was, it's one of the things it's like a completely different topic. It's not a hundred percent entrepreneurial. Myth. Entre- and I yeah. think for people, like if they're hearing these systemized things, and this is actually something I was going to kind of play devil's advocate with, but when you hear systems, don't you hear like rigidity? I think we probably touched on this in our podcast about scheduling, but some people I think can push back and say, oh, dude, like these systems, everything's becomes too rigid. What would your like kind of argument or counterpoint be to that? It should be rigid because that protects you. It helps you. Go ahead. A little bit more detail. Yeah. I mean, it should be rigid because then if it's not rigid, then you're just going to be pushed and pulled in all these different directions. Same thing with schedules, dude. Yeah. Right. Like if, if you want to work out, you need to have some rigidity around wanting to work out or reading 10 pages. Like you need that there or, you know, the dog's going to shit and you got to clean up shit all morning. Now you didn't read. Now you didn't work out. It's like, okay, like you got to put the systems in place to make sure no matter what happens through everything that, you know, we're kind of, we can be pushed and pulled in so many directions, especially now with phones and the access to all this information and all these different things we have flowing our way. Like you need some system and rigidity in your life in order to make it successful, in my opinion. Like I, I think people really, really do need that. Yeah, and I, I mean you're going to be pushed and pulled regardless of if you have a system or not, yeah. rigid guidelines. I mean it's going to happen. Some days you're going to be pulled in a direction you don't want to be pulled in. Yeah. But the idea is how do you minimize that? Yeah. How do you minimize that from happening? How do you have more wins than losses in terms of like, yeah, maybe some days you're going to fail, but like in terms of getting all the things you want done, but in order to move the needle, you got to win more days than you lose. Yeah, exactly. Or like, how do you create a consistent process where people understand what's going to happen? So they, they do it in a way that you want. I mean, a great example in the four hour work week is when uh, he was keep receiving these different orders from different clients and they were like the worst clients. Yeah. They were dragging his efficiency down, yada, yada, yada. He yeah. sent them an email, both an email and was like, hey, you can do it this way or you can leave. Yeah. And one of them left and then one stayed and became an a even better client but minimized his inefficiency like immediately Interesting. right then and there. Like gave him like a lot of time back in his day. Interesting. So, yeah. I think it's a good thought. Like, how do you systematize all the things you do in your daily life to become more efficient? I mean, it's very high scale, well, high level, but I, I think it's a great idea. I mean, that's essentially all the e-myth comes back to. It's like, think high level about the business, the vision that you have for it, and how do you become more efficient to accomplish that vision? I mean, it's the same thing with life, bro. It's crazy. I mean, you got 24 hours in a work, in a day. It's like, how do you become efficient with those 24 hours? Systematize. 
Bingo. Well, I think we pumped that one dry. That was good, dude. I loved it. I, I really did. Squeeze the lemon. We squeezed the lemon. I didn't really know that that was going to go down that route. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, man. It's like, how do you get better at everything? I don't know. Find the processes that work for you. Yeah, and I think uh, everyone could be a little bit more scientific with it as well. Mm. Uh, just make sure you look at what you're doing on a weekly basis and see what you're spending the most time on. And if it's not progressing you more towards your goals, then figure out a way to get that out of your life or uh, push it into someone else's court who can handle it better than you. Yeah, great point. I got nada else on this. Yeah, I'm good. You're good? I learned how to juggle, by the way. Oh, Kevin's getting skills over there. I'm almost – I'm close to completing the Rubik's Cube. You're going to have a lot of skills, bro. Yeah, that's the goal, hopefully. I'm thinking about backflip. That would be cool too. Yeah. I want to surf during the summer too. That could be. You know when we just talked about like you're gonna extend. Be careful not to extend too far. Surfing is a time commitment. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I'm not very close to the ocean, so I'm not saying you can't do it if if that's where your heart set is. Just be careful. Be careful. I mean, I'm I'm looking at only the weekends, and there's three weekends in a month. I don't think I can learn how to surf in three weekends. Like it, it, surf legitimately. I mean. Dude, if your heart's set on it, go do it, but just be careful. I mean, that's one thing we just talked about even before we came on this. I, I, this doesn't pertain to systems at all, but it's an interesting thought. It's like, dude, do a couple things really fucking well. Like, uh, you know, like. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot either. I mean, that's the one thing with learning how to juggle or like doing anything, learning how to do anything. It's consistency. It's like yeah. 10 minutes a day for a month, 30 days, and you'll learn how to do it. Like, it's it doesn't seem impactful. That's why people, you know, don't end up working out consistently or don't end up doing what they want to do on a daily basis because they try to do it. They try to go out and do, like, 12 miles or right. do an hour and a half working out, and then they're wrecked. And yeah, yeah. Then they're like, oh, I don't know how I can do this on a daily basis. Like, it doesn't seem like I'm making any progress, whereas, like, 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes? Uh, dude. The small action. That could be a whole nother podcast, bro. Consistency yeah. over time. I mean, I think if I think well, I mean, how many books have you read? And you, I mean, you read ten pages a day. Sometimes you read more, but yeah, ten pages a day is the most consistent average. I am probably been. I'm probably fifty books over the last three years. Yeah, ten p ten pages is easy. Like that's easy for anyone. Like, you don't have enough time to read ten pages. Then. Same thing with working out. We get there, bro. It's like the same thing, yo. You yeah. don't have. Again, if an hour and a half is impossible for you to do, do 30 fucking minutes consistently over time for a year, and you'll get to that way of law school. Yeah. I don't know how that pertains to systems, but again, I agree with consistency over time. I mean, I think a perfect example of consistency over time is going to be when this podcast is the biggest podcast in the world. <laughs> yeah, dude. Love to hear it. All right. That's a wrap. Wrap it up. S- stay safe out there.